What's up? It's Lisa Denae. You're listening to Sound Scrub, a place where I get to dissect the writing, production, and recording process of a song with the artist and producer. Gabby Coonan. I am a singer, songwriter, piano player, bass player, originally from Perth, Western Australia, and I've lived in LA for the last two years. And I write and perform music as Ruby, my dear. And last night I ate an entire packet of Tim Tams for dinner. And if you're oh. Australian, you'll know what that is. I do know what that is. <laughs> My cousin I'm lives not Australian in Australian and I know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My cousin moved to Australia for school and then she never came back. Oh. <laughs> she well, loves it there. <laughs> yeah. I can believe that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrew Lappin. I am a producer, engineer, mixer, songwriter, performer as well, uh, based in Los Angeles. And a uh, fun fact about me, well, let's see. I'm originally from New York City. That's not really a fun fact. Uh, I'm originally from New York City. And a fun fact about me is when I'm not in the studio, I spend a lot of time with my dog and my wife. And I used to be an urban planner before I 
transition oh. to doing music full time. Some people find that interesting. I don't know. <laughs> what made you transfer to music? Well, I was always doing music. I started working in studios when I was like 13. But okay. when I was going to college, I was kind of thinking to myself, maybe I should just try doing something in addition to music just because yeah. I had other interests. And when I graduated college, I was still working in studios at night, but I had a job as an urban planner during the day. And then when the economy was just really bad after the financial crisis of 2008 and all the funds dried up, I said, you know what, I'm going to just do music full time. Oh, wow. back. And what kind of dog do you have? <laughs> I have an Australian Shepherd. She's, oh, nice. she's mostly, she looks mostly Australian Shepherd, but she's also part Border Collie. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Today's episode of Sound Scrub, we are going to be talking about Black Moon by Ruby, my dear. And let's start with the lyrics of this song. What is the song about and what inspired you to write it? Uh, I would say this song essentially is about being addicted to your phone, I think. Um, Mm. I wrote it, well, the lyrics came in the early pandemic. Um, I had already started writing the music before the pandemic started. Um, And then around April, May 2020 is when I started working on the lyrics. And it's partially about that, about, you know, being, you know, isolated and alone and just you know my only form of connection and I think the only form of connection for a lot of people at that time was uh through a screen um so whether that's your phone or computer or whatever but prior to that the year before I had been in like the last dying breaths of a long-term relationship and the end of that was a lot of uh, the two of us were spending a lot of times just like on our phones Mm -hmm. not looking at each other ignoring each other. Um, So that was kind of already on my mind. And then when the pandemic started, it kind of all those two things kind of mishmashed into each other. So, yeah, but it's kind of, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, really like preaching about anything in the song. I think it's more just kind of like, you know, what is like, this is what's happening and like, how can I make that artistic and interesting? Yeah. No, I would have, I don't think I would have picked that up that it was kind of about that <laughs> relationship with your friend. So I really no, that's really surprising to me, but I love it. What did you start with like the lyrics first or did you end up playing that beautiful piano that Thank is you. happening? <laughs> so yeah, the piano was the first part. Um, okay. I uh, I'd gone through like a two year period in the lead up to 2020 where I really wasn't listening to any music. Like I yeah. put out a record of my own and I was actually listening to a lot of podcasts at that time. And then I went on tour and while we were on the bus, I was like, I need to listen to some music. Like, I just mm-hmm. like, I feel like I'm like something is lacking and I was like, right. in a just horrible state of mind. And one of the first songs I put on was the song Plug In Baby by Muse. And it has that really like intricate guitar kind of arpeggio thing at the start that's almost like classical inspired. Mm-hmm. As soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, I really want to try something like that on piano. That'd be cool. So when I was at my mum's house, my mum lives in Los Angeles. So I vis- have visited her a ton over like the last 10 plus years. 
so I was, she's got a piano in the house. So I was at the piano, just kind of playing around with that. Um, and then when the pandemic started, I, uh, was, uh, kind of came back to that piano idea, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, posted it to my Instagram and then Andrew <laughs> saw it and then here we are. <laughs> Have you guys worked together before? Yes. Okay. Okay. Andrew produced my uh, first full-length album. Got it. And what about this song, Andrew? That what stood out to you, and you were like, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta work on this one with you." As Gabby said, my first introduction to the song was over Instagram, mm-hmm. and it it's kind of a perfect parallel to sort of what Gabby was just saying about the subject matter of the song, especially the circumstances we all found ourselves in. Mm -hmm. I really love the piano part. It seems a lot of people really connect to that piano part. And um, there's just something very evocative about ultimately where the lyrics ended up and something very cinematic about it all. And, And the song in the lyric has a lot of these cinematic vignettes and that's always kind of fun to work off of and, in terms of production to, to kind of try to make a musical world that fits the, what the song is trying to say Mm -hmm. and convey. And um, yeah, it's just funny. The first time I heard the song was Gabby playing on the piano in her living room. (laughs) And there's something very relatable about that. It's almost like even in this time where everyone was forced apart, that was a a form of like digital intimacy. Like I I was in, there's something really interesting about being invited into her living room and it connected with me both musically and kind of thematically. And then, um, when we started working on it, it was just a matter of trying to, you know, make the musical film reflect the subject matter of the song. Was a lot of the song written before you guys, you took it in to production, Gabby? No. Okay. So you guys (laughs) finished it together? Yeah, this is my big confession is uh, the song was not finished at all. When I sent the demo to Mm -hmm. Andrew, it was um, uh, all I had was the verse, chorus, instrumental verse, and like the second chorus up to there. There was no bridge. There was no last chorus or anything. I, at that time, was in the middle of moving from New York to LA. Um, and during the pandemic, it was just, you know, especially in those early days when we didn't know like how the virus was transmitted and all that stuff. It was right, just right, like, right. a very kind of chaotic time. But 
I, I mean, we both kind of figured that since like everything else was on hold, we could get started working on some of my new stuff. We talked about that in the year prior. So yeah. So Andrew was sort of just like, just send me whatever you've got. And I was like, well, this is what I've got. (laughs) So we actually met up for three days in May, 2020 in, uh, yeah, in that room. I'd see that. I know that background. (laughs) Um, yeah, we met up for three days to start working on like production ideas for Mm -hmm. this song and a few other songs. And then I had to go back to New York to pack up the rest of my apartment and like officially move to LA. So while I was gone, Andrew sort of built out the production more and my job was to finish the song. And of course (laughs) I didn't do that until two nights before we had to go back into the studio. I was like, oh my God. And I, you know, how I work is I kind of like, I sit on things for a long time. I think about them a lot. I'm like Mm -hmm. constantly jotting things down, gathering ideas, but the actual like grunt work (laughs) of finishing something doesn't usually happen until like the very last minute. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it all, it all came together. Classic procrastinator. Yeah. So then we, we had, then I wrote the bridge and the last chorus and then this would have been, I think July, 2020, we then like finished the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk about the production because this, you guys, is um, the soundscape that was created for this, like, really blew me away. And I think, Gabby, I told you that. Like, it's a, it was just really refreshing because um, I don't hear a lot of this sound um, all the time. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I, I think, Andrew, you said this. It's like, like, you guys, like, painted this picture to go with what was – being said in the lyrics so I want to go back to the piano sound specifically sometimes that's really hard and it to find like the perfect piano sound so did that kind of take you guys a while to nail down do you want me to take that one Gabby um I mean the quick answer I think is no because it's literally just a patch on my Nord I think oh okay yeah it's funny we I have a real piano here and there are other songs that um feature that that in that batch that feature the piano but in the kind of early what i call storyboarding part of a process where Mm -hmm. we're kind of charting a course in terms of the feel and vibe and general arrangement gabby had she was just kind of playing it on the nord and i was like you know what like i wouldn't really think to use the nord over the real piano that's just you know 20 feet away but (laughs) it worked and we ended up kind of going for this lo-fi sound and in the end piano was run through kind of like a degraded tape machine and pedals and stuff like that to kind of tap into the idea of that 
sort of feeling of transmission. Like it's not, it's, it's kind of getting degraded over wavelengths or over distance or something like that. And I thought that that kind of like fit the, the feeling of what we were going for that, that idea of transmission or kind of digital intimacy. Mm-hmm. What the, was that kind of like the base layer for the production? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. Cause like a lot of times I'll, a lot of times I'll, you know, there'll be some sort of core form of accompaniment with the vocal when we're starting out, maybe it's an acoustic guitar or a piano mm-hmm. or roads or worlds or whatever. And then as, as the production gets developed, I'll try like muting that central thing. Cause sometimes when you pull the rug out from under it, it, it actually opens up space or opens up new frontiers that you hadn't mm-hmm. really thought about. But with this right. song, I tried that a few times and it never worked. It kind of is just the little engine of the song, especially because it's so subdivided and, and it just always kind of had that feeling of that digital intimacy that I keep coming back to. And, and that became the theme for me as, as the producer. There's also this like high, I don't know what it is, but it, it it's like a high tension type of sound that's kind of following the melody, I believe it is. Uh, I wanted to know what you guys used for that. I think hmm. it's in the first verse. Oh, that might be guitar. Is that? Oh, like, really? It's oh. like like a really. High, are you talking about like that really high pitch? Like, yeah. That's just a good, oh, okay. It's a combination of things. I actually opened the session before we did this. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's a, there's a, a, a kind of pitched up guitar loop that I made. And then okay. there's uh, a Prophet 6 kind of like drone. And and they all kind of fit together. Like the drone is a little on the lower side and it's got kind of a LFO and reverb on it. And then the guitar loop is sort of in the mid range. And then there's the pitched up, guitar loop uh i forget how i did it. i probably did it with like an octave pedal and that is like occupying the like tippy top of the spectrum so it's kind of three sounds that form together to make one mm. atmosphere yeah yeah i really really loved that oh my gosh i loved listening to that in my headphones and then also let's talk about like the musical breaks that you have uh, going out of the chorus into like the second verse. Even um, I love how you slide down the melody for the word outside um, and then just going into that soundscape that's created. So what were you guys trying to accomplish with that? Um, I think it was just a nice opportunity to kind of the song starts with this very you know, intimate lo-fi vocal and piano. And it's a little bit of a fake out because spoiler alert, it doesn't stay that way for the whole song. <laughs> More hi-fi elements come in, especially on the first course, which is a little bit of a breakdown course, but it sort of establishes that the song's not just going to be this like lo-fi upper mid-range kind of telephonic thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that was just a moment for it to like really kind of open up and arrive in a way. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of slow, steady build. And then, there's a little bit of this first release and I just wanted that to kind of be the, like, you know, everything's a setup for that first 
moment. And it was just about it kind of creating like this really engaging technicolor kind of moment with the two, a lot of characters, new characters sort of enter there, like the full drum kit enters um, the bass. Does the bass enter there? I, sh- I think so. The like deeper part of the bass. Yeah. There's obviously that that drone we just talked about, which is like not super low endy, but still has some low end. But like the song sort of arrives, like the whole re- the high resolution of it really arrives there. And I thought there was just a moment to yeah create a little bit of like a world with the two electric guitars trading off. The acoustic guitar drives it along, and yeah, it just sort of creates a line of continuity from what happened in the previous section to this more fully formed soundscape. Mm-hmm. That's what I really love about that section, that instrumental versus the acoustic guitar. I remember when we were in the studio and Andrew was like, yeah, acoustic guitar here. And I was like, what? No, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then when he started playing it, like that's one of my like favorite moments. I've I've filmed him playing it and um, it just, it gives it this kind of like spacey, almost like cowboy Western kind of feel mm. to it. And like a little bit of that, like, I was a huge fan of the OC in high Oh my gosh. And, yes, uh, me too. Yeah. And like anything that kind of references that sort of vibe, oh, I love. Yeah. Um, like Funny. that movie Blue Crush as well. I love that movie. Uh, the soundtrack is like, yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. I know exactly. Oh yeah, I, no, I can see was, was a reference. I mean, I did watch the first season of the OC. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Got to watch it. Although <laughs> season 4 is kind of lame, but There's yeah. a really funny spoof of the OC. I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but there's a very funny <laughs> My friend in college showed me this really funny spoof on YouTube called Not the OC where this group of like five sketch comedy guys essentially like do an OC episode and you know, like they're, oh. they play all these five guys play all the different roles. It's pretty funny. <gasps> at least it was funny at the time. I don't know if it'd be funny now, but I remember having a very good laugh. And they kind of nail the, diff, you know, like ca- caricatures of the characters in the show. But oh my gosh. about the acoustic guitar, I mean, yeah, like the acoustic guitar can easily become like uh, something totemic of like singer songwriter music. Mm-hmm. I feel like in this song, it kind of be, almost becomes a percussive element, like a tuned shaker mm. or something, especially mm, yeah. I'm playing with a really thin pick and it's, it's uh, uh, high pass filtered. So it doesn't have a lot of low end. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of becomes like a shaker or something in the song. But the thing about that is, you know, now that we're talking about that first section and, you know, the different soundscapes that come in, it, it's kind of like a little bit of a thesis of, the overall production, which is trying to combine like really tactile sounds like the acoustic guitar, where you can hear my hands moving on the strings with like really direct sounds like synths and that string patch, which have no air. There's like no physicality about them. And then the drums, which have a physicality, but then there's drum programming, which is direct. And all that is kind of like, you know, I always try to put a lot for me, contrast in a production and arrangement creates depth. And I feel like that moment we're talking about that first instrumental is really emblematic of that kind of approach.
Did you guys hit any roadblocks along the way? A bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. I think the original bridge that I sent was, um, it had like a few extra chords in there. I don't know what it was about this time in my like writing life, but I was just putting a lot of chords in everything. That was, I think it was from having done like, sung a lot of classical music in the last few years. Mm, I do, mm-hmm. part of my day job is I'm a freelance vocalist and musician, so I do a lot of choral gigs. Oh, so cool. I think that kind of sound was just in my ear a lot. So I was right. playing around with a lot of like kind of, you know, chord transitions and mixing modes, and I don't really think about it that way. I just kind mm-hmm. of follow my ear when I'm writing. Um, I don't, even though I know music theory, I don't use it in my writing process at all. I'm just like, right. does this sound good? Does this sound good? <laughs> yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and yeah, with the the original bridge that I sent um, had, yeah, a few extra chords. And I think that first day we went back into the studio. Was it this song where, Andrew, you were like, I'm not sure this bridge is going to work at all? Or like it it then suddenly ended up working, like once we cut out those few extra chords. Yeah, it, it was this song. Together. Yeah, yeah, you you hit the nail on the head. It was at first, I mean, part of it is, you know, we had up through a second chorus and the song just kind of ended and then we took a break and I worked on some of the production, but, you know, I we had an unfinished song and as a result, mm-hmm. an unfinished production and arrangement. Always write your settings down. I've, I've learned this over the years because <laughs> you never know when you're going to have to punch something in months later or recall a sound. Um, yeah. But the uh yeah i remember we reconvened and i was like you had sent me the bridge and i was like yeah let's try it and we kind of dropped in a little mock version of it and in the end it was really yeah about cutting out some of the chords it was it was getting a little long-winded and maybe a little lab more labyrinthine than it needed to be and then Mm -hmm. the other part of it was just smoothing over the sounds i mean we had to Mm. i had to recall the sounds and kind of smooth over the transition into the bridge and once we did that it, it it worked Nice. Sometimes you don't know until you just do it, you know, yeah. until you commit and, and make it part of the greater musical world. Cause you know, your ear starts paying attention. Like, Oh, why did this sound drop out? Or why is this tone right. different? Now? So once we smoothed it over it, it, it ended up working really well. And it's nice. Cause it's kind of a come down to like, we've talked about all these cinematic moments, but in some ways they're so effective because the bridge is a little bit of this kind of come down. The vocal dries up a little bit mm-hmm. more. Some of the, some of the like really floaty atmospheric elements go away and it gets a little drier and then it sets up that little breakdown verse into the last chorus. So it ended up being a really effective bridge. So good work, Gabby. (laughs) Thanks, Andrew. (laughs) As far as like the intro and the ending goes, you know, because those tend to be like extremely important, especially nowadays. Um, Did you guys always know that as far as the intro goes, like you wanted that, you know, piano to kind of just start the whole like set the tone and then the ending uh oh my gosh I forgot the ending what you have there but it It just kind of I think it just ends right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. I actually really liked how it ended but did you guys know did you guys play with either of those or just kind of like both felt natural um I think for me personally I definitely would have wanted that piano to start the song like the whole time I feel like you you need that almost to get your ear around what's happening. Like, cause it is very intricate and very like moving around, like right. kind of helps to like set the foundation, like having just a piano in the yeah. intro. And then with the ending, like, 
part of me feels like because that the song was half finished for so long that we kind of got used to the idea of just like having a song that stops right away. <laughs> it's like I went in a jazz school, I studied jazz singing in university um, and they would call it a falling off the edge of a cliff ending. Like there's a lot of those oh. like old 1930s jazz mm-hmm. tunes that just like stop right away. Right, right. So I kind of think of it like that a little bit. It's just like da 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 the end. Yeah. yeah the song um, doesn't end on the one, right? I no, it is no, like the think end it... of two, I think. Yeah, I remember hearing that too. It like yeah, it ends on yeah. Well isn't there, I, there's I a like, there, yeah. there's an augmented chord, right? That it, yeah. And an augmented chord, yeah. Augmented I mean it that inherently you know, a, augmented chord is almost like an inherent cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And then it not ending on the one is also so like just it's one of those things where like the musical decisions dovetailing with the production and sonic decisions kind of ends up making it into this cool little cliffhanger that works. The intro of Black Moon, I I have this memory and maybe it's incorrect. So Gabby, correct me if I'm misremembering, but the song originally had that lo-fi piano and that sound was baked in. We recorded it that way, but the vocal was Mm hi-fi at the beginning. And then I think in the mix phase, Gabby was like, maybe we should try doing it fully uh, lo-fi. And we ended up doing it. I think I ended up amping the vocal through through like a really small guitar amp to give it this kind of low telephonic quality. And so we ended up going full lo-fi on the intro and then it kind of opens up at the first chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do remember that. That was correct. Um, yeah, I just felt like, I really like how in like the breakdown verse towards the end of the song, the, the vocal still stays like very crystal clear and um, it kind of reminds me of like some of like Billie Eilish's stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's this very like intimate vocal against like this kind of like still lo-fi piano. But I, I felt like having that in the beginning, like it, I wanted it to be a little more of, yeah, like kind of what we've talked about, like a transmission from like outer space or something kind of coming yeah. in. There's a cool like, call on the end because it, it gives an arc to the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of almost too much contrast in the beginning <laughs> with the really hi-fi cl- close vocal and then the warbly lo-fi piano. It, it was yeah. a cool sound, but I think I think Gabby Gabby was smart to have us change it, change the entire world. I want to know what your favorite lyric line is in this song. I was pretty proud of myself when I came up with the the forget living life I'm killing time tonight I really like that line and I like how you know how those all those songs where like the chorus ends with the word tonight like every pop punk every pop punk song ever written yes I was like I'm trying to think of some but I think I know yeah it's like there's an Ed Sheeran song that does it there's uh God, so many songs. I've, I've watched like YouTube videos about that exact niche topic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, a lot of weird rabbit holes that I go down on that website, as we all do. Um, but yeah, I like how the tonight in this instant leads mm-hmm. leads into the chorus. It's like the end of a verse going into the the chorus, and I feel like that line kind of just like encapsulates the whole. Um, yeah, I guess like the, the theme of the song, I really like, I was 
very worried about the lyrics with this song because I thought that by the time it came out, we would be well and truly past the pandemic. Mm, yeah. I was like, everyone's going to think this is a pandemic song and they're going right. to cringe. And I've seen like people on Twitter be like, oh, no more pandemic songs. Yeah. But I just like when I was writing it, I that's what came out. And I mm-hmm. tried to, you know, I tried to change things and like approach it from different angles and stuff. But it just it it yeah, I couldn't really force it to be something that it didn't want to be. Um, so I feel like that particular line kind of like gets to the the core of what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And even if you, you know hate the rest of the song I feel like at least that line is you know <laughs> something that I think can people can latch on to yeah so. Andrew what about you my favorite is sort of a series of lyrics I, I kind of feel like the uh to not to belabor the bridge but um the curled up tightly by myself another body somewhere else can't find repeat mm-hmm. can't press rewind and then it goes into the verse that says I can't keep my eyes on you lose myself in screens of blue those lyrics are kind of what alludes to the relationship aspect of it mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. just the isolation part. Yeah. And it's kind of plays into this whole idea of like, what's the arc of the story and the song and the music. And if that's a point where it's a, a little bit of a reveal, like maybe this isn't just about isolation and a relationship with technology that's maybe taking you outside of the world around you, but also about how people relate or don't relate to those around them. Mm-hmm. I always like that series of lines yeah were there a lot of lyrics in here that didn't make the cut like that you switched out oh um I think I at the first line was a stay at home instead of stay alone oh okay (laughs) yeah just as like a jumping off point sometimes I like need to just like put down like the no matter how shitty or cringe it is, like the first line just needs to right. be there on the page in order for me to uh, get through the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back and like tweak things and change them around. Um, yeah. So I think off the top of my head, that was, that was uh, one that definitely changed. Yeah. Um, I often find that I like, I do. Yeah. I, I've, I struggle with first verses a lot of the time. I feel like mm-hmm. the first verse, I'm always like, oh, I don't know if I really nailed it. But like the second verse in a lot of my songs is where I feel like I really get like the good stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I maybe like in the context of this song, that second verse would was probably the bridge because there isn't really like a a second. It's more of an, like an instrumental part the, right. the, where the second verse would normally be. Um, so, yeah, the opening... Yeah, definitely, definitely Definitely had a few tweaks. Yeah. 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 Uh, What about your guys' favorite production element in this song? Gabby likes the acoustic guitar. Yeah, I like like that surprise of the century. I actually like the acoustic guitar. And I love the the strings, the string patch that we use. I think mm. just that's that was another moment in the studio was where I was just like, oh, I could like live in this for the rest yeah. of my life. And yeah, like it's the funny. way it was processed, like running it through all those guitar pedals and stuff. Tape, just, tape yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like the string sound too. I would, I'm often a little like I get a little I cringe a little bit at 
fake string sounds, but mm-hmm. that sound really worked. I almost think in hindsight, if we had done, sometimes you, you, you don't know until you do it, but you can kind of anticipate. And I think if we had done like a string section, it could easily get like overly grandiose or saccharine, right. you know, yeah, and it's, right. it, and just having this like direct kind of mellotron type sound, but it's not a Mellotron. I didn't really want to do a Mellotron because I feel like that's become like a very overused sound these days, but yeah, taking this string patch and then mm-hmm. running it through an interesting chain to get it a little warbly and degraded and almost kind of Beatlesy really fit this, fit the vibe of the song and, and the world. that sense yeah i don't know i mean i kind of i really like the way the drum live drum kit and the drum programming interact i mean that was a real balancing act of getting them to uh fill in each other's gaps and i think it it does it really successfully on the song where there's a, a human beating heart in the rhythm section at the center of it but there's also you know drum very direct drum sounds as well um I think we pulled off a a very cool sonic world in the rhythm section with that. Yeah, I think I like the guitars too. I like the whole thing. I'm I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. It's all great. The way way it all fits together is really the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. I think with like this song and the batch of songs that this one is from, I was really trying to move away from the band sound Mm -hmm. um, because I'd had a band in New York and um, then was coming out to LA on my own and kind of starting afresh. Uh Um, But I knew I wanted to keep working with Andrew and we talked about, you know, kind of having it just be me, like my vision and like Mm -hmm. him obviously helping me achieve that. And not relying so much on like, well, there's these people or these instruments in the band, so we need to put all those things in. So I was like a little hesitant about having like live drums in the mix. And I Mm -hmm. like really liked the um, programmed drums. Um, But once we added those live drums in, it really kind of, yeah, it gives it this uh, human quality without it sounding like a band playing in a room, which like no no shade to bands playing in rooms. I love that kind of music (laughs) but um I think for what I'm trying to do which is like a little more pop-ish yeah yeah like it it made sense to kind of move away from that approach and go more um like with the more like sampled and processed elements but still have a little bit of the live instruments in there Mm -hmm. yeah it helps it helps it not feel so 
rigid. I think when we had just the programming, I was like, it's funny if you listen, when I was poking around the session the other day, I muted all the sequenced programmed elements. And I was like, Oh, that's like, it's cool. But in it, and I kind of programmed the part and spoke to him and it was like, maybe we can, you know, make this your own, but this is kind of the base baseline part, the foundation. And he did a really good job of finding ways to weave in and out. And part of that's just drum choice and cymbal choice. And part of it's the part and part of it's the player. But yeah, like some of the records, we had this really long inspiration mood board that we'd like periodically check in if we ever got stuck in. A lot of the songs had a lot of stuff we were influenced by was, you know, like stuff from the late nineties where the technology got to the point where, having live instrumentation and program instrumentation really became kind of the sound. Right. I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but like the Donna Ray of light came up a ton mm-hmm. where, I mean, such a great oh. record, such great songs, the productions, William Orbit, who's amazing. And like so much cool stuff where there's sequence stuff and live stuff on top of each other. And yeah. even though it's like a lot of people consider that like electronic pop music, right, uh, right. Air, Talkie, Walkie, and 10,000 Hertz Legend were, were other ones, Zero Seven, Massive Attack, like those sorts of records where, yeah, like the, the line between programmed and played is really blurry, but it feels good and the balance is, is really compelling. So those, those were kind of like inspirations, touchstones for us in terms of building the rhythm section and just the overall sonic landscape of the song with yeah. electroacoustic instruments and re- acoustic instruments that move air and direct instruments and you know mm-hmm. yes yeah, cool. like i said the contrast is kind of what creates depth and and, and a unique palette mm-hmm. were there any production elements that you guys originally had in there and then took out before like final mixing and mastering that is a good question as we go on i'm a pretty hardcore muter like right <laughs> yeah I, I mean with this it's like with things i produce i don't just say now i'm gonna sit down and mix the song from scratch yeah, no, that's like, what i was gonna say andrew right um, you do it as I you think, go yeah has a very uh probably other people do this too but like in the course of like who i've worked with over my mm-hmm. music career both with the ruby stuff and with like other projects i've done like it's a, seems like it's a very like step-by-step process with other producers and engineers right. like we'll do the pre-production then we <laughs> record everything then we mix it then we master it whereas a lot of the times when I'm working with Andrew like we'll often say like this sounds done and like it's not done right. but it's you know well on its way to mm-hmm. you know all the all the elements are like perfectly placed already hard, hard decisions are made yeah the difficult decisions are made early on yeah. yeah rather than waiting until the end so it, it it often like when I was recording the vocals like it it was as if I was almost singing over like the finished instrumental basically mm. like it was it sounded blended and yeah. like you know yeah almost like the rough mixes don't sound rough they sound pretty damn good that's the joke yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm a mashing engineer right maybe like is this the final mix and I was like oh yeah it's not Rough mix and main <laughs> mix and final mix are all the same. She's like, okay, cool. I, I, I might need to come up with like, I don't know. It's sort of like when people need people are in, in, uh, 
in the East coast, figure out when to switch from like iced coffee to hot coffee. I need to figure out or vice versa. I need to figure <laughs> out when to switch from rough mix to like, okay, now, now this is the final mix. I, my, my, uh, file naming nomenclature hasn't adjusted to my work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't, yeah. I, I mean, it's different when, uh, when someone just hires me to mix something, obviously, cause I haven't been involved in the production process, but with this, right. yeah, I mean, I try to, you know, especially and Gabby's really great in, in terms of being a collaborator in that where it's like, yeah, get the sound, record the sound you, the way you want it to sound, or mm-hmm. like once you get it, if you need to do a little quick processing to, to get it, you know, all the way to the finish line and, and place it in the stereo field and, and work the fader, do all that. Cause then at the end it's, yeah, she can sing over something that feels really deliberate and done. And then she's yeah. responding to like, it's, it's something very intentional rather than just, you know, something that's not quite there. But I mean, the, there was like a mix final mix process where, I wanted to take a little time away from it and come back and I didn't do much. I probably wrote some faders and maybe did a couple last vocal effects. And then Gabby came in and had that idea about making the lead vocal lo-fi with the lo-fi piano up to the first chorus. So, you know, some, some decisions were made at the end, but as far as anything that was like axed, I don't really know. I, I feel like we, we had a really good, we picked it, you know, we chartered a direction and we just kind of, went for it. I'm sure if I looked at like inactive tracks, there'd be something there, but I, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. So it must not have been that important. Other songs, <laughs> yes. Other songs yeah. that were definitely in that batch that we worked on. There were things that we just got rid of because they were eating up space or mm-hmm. helping or, but this song was a pretty clear trajectory, yeah. which, doesn't, which often doesn't happen. Right. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to mention about the songwriting, the recording process of this song that we haven't talked about? I think that's that. I think we've covered almost everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can talk about where we recorded it. Like, yeah. You know, I think most of it was, well, Andrew, I'll let you talk about where you did it. But we. We did the vocals at um, Andrew's old space at Sunset Sound in okay. LA. I'm, I moved in the middle of this process. I moved studios, oh. which is a lot of, lot of moving. <laughs> yeah. I moved from New York to LA, and Andrew moved studios. So yeah, it's a chaotic time, all we, in the middle we, of a pandemic. We started it in this room, which is now where I work all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, studio in Hollywood called Wax LTD, and yeah, it's. You're obviously only seeing one part of it, but it's a pretty big control room and a really big, nice live room. And there's a mm-hmm. lounge. Um, we, we did three days here. We started here because I was actually kind of deliberating moving at that time. I mean, it was the first project I did in person, like post scary pandemic right. times um, <laughs> before up until like between March 2020 and yeah. late. Wasn't our first session like around Memorial Day? It was around there. It was late oh, May. Oh, wow. Yeah. From March 2020 to May, I was really just working by myself. I, I, yeah. everything got canceled. I pivoted to just mixing and doing like some remote production work and working on my own personal musical projects. So Gabby was the first thing I did in person. So when the guys who own the space were like, Hey, do you want to like come in and, and, and move in here? I was like, well, let me do a session and just kind of feel it out. And yeah. just the whole, the whole dynamic of making music was really changing it up in the air and we had a great productive three-day session. And then mm. at that time I was still renting a space at sunset sound mm. two blocks away. I didn't move very far. Oh, okay. 
we did, but it was a smaller space. It was a little more limited in what I could do start to finish. And then, uh, but we did vocals and, you know, storyboarding and overdubs and stuff there. I did some, some work at home in my home. I have a home set up and then, uh, we did the drums here. And at that point I was committed to moving into the space and we, we finished everything here. Mm -hmm. So kind of back and forth, uh, uh, between the two block radius. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, we did here and, um, Gabby and I pretty much did everything ourselves except for Jorge Balbi, who played the drums. Yeah, nice. The, the live drum kit. It was a it was a much smaller affair than the previous record, which had Gabby had mentioned she had you know kind of a band and auxiliary yeah. players, and yeah, this time it was really just the two of us and Jorge on drums for this batch of songs, and then there's another song that has some strings, and that was it. So yeah. it was kind of nice to just do it the two of us. Yeah, Gabby, I loved it. Gabby gave me enough rope. <laughs> right. No, I, I, I loved having it just be the two of us plus Jorge on those couple yeah. of days. It, um, I was quite nervous about going into it that way. I was a mm-hmm. little intimidated. Um, but it, yeah. I mean, I've known Andrew for so long, and it, it just worked. Like yeah. it's really, it's really cool to have, um, that kind of working relationship with someone where you can just like suggest things and like he. I often found with the people I'd worked with back in New York or even the guys who played in my band, like they, we weren't always approaching things from like the same reference mm-hmm. palette. Yeah. That's a term. Like it, uh, but Andrew, like I remember even from like the first email I sent Andrew, like back in 2016, I like listed all these artists that I liked and he was like, yeah, I love all that stuff. <laughs> so it, it has been like a easy process in terms of, you know, me suggesting an artist or a sound or an album that I like. And he's like, yeah, let's, let's yeah, develop that direction. Developing a shorthand and like an interpersonal yeah. vernacular is in some ways the most important part mm-hmm. because yeah, communication is everything. Mm-hmm. Obviously being able to do the work and realize the vision is, uh, is, you know, the name of the game, but being able to do it in, an efficient way, especially, you know, resources are what they are. And, you know, I don't, I don't take anyone's resources, anyone's investment lightly. So being Mm -hmm. able to work efficiently and faster and in a smart way and be on the same level creatively makes it so like frees up time to, to experiment and to maybe not on this song, but in other ways, like fall flat on your face and say, okay, well, we tried it and let's, let's try a different direction. You know? yeah, we had a lot of room to play around with um with the songs that we worked on this time. So um, I'm excited yeah. to do more one day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, again, I really, really loved this song. And I'm so thankful that, Gabby, you <laughs> found my contact and <laughs> yeah. reached out to me because I just, I really, really loved it. And, and I was so excited to bring it on my show. And, and thank you guys so much for sharing your process with me and it sounds like you guys just have yeah this like musical connection and there's a lot of trust there um, which is also really hard to find when it comes to a producer so yeah thanks Andrew you know for being amazing (laughs) to Gabby Uh, (laughs) can you tell everyone where they can listen to black moon and where they can follow you on social media so i am at ruby my dear everywhere that's ruby spelled r v b y so the v is instead of a u and then my dear um d-e-a-r 
R-V-B-Y-M-Y-D-E-A-R. Uh, that's me everywhere. Um, you can, Black Moon's going to be available on all the streaming services. There's a music video too that's coming out on YouTube, oh, yeah. which I'm really excited about. So, um, yeah. And Andrew, where can everyone follow you on social media? My website's andrewlappin.com, A-N-D-R-E-W-L-A-P-P-I-N.com. And that's a good place to keep up to date on stuff and me and my studio. Uh, but I'm also on Instagram, Andrew Lappin. And uh, I have a very, I- I'm not even going to mention my Twitter because it's mostly, <laughs> mostly NBA related these days. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's, that's my social media for basketball information. So if you, if you are interested in the NBA, maybe give me a follow there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much again for coming on SoundScrub. Really enjoyed talking this over with you guys and can't Thanks wait to hear more. Us. Thank you, Lisa. You can listen to the full song on your favorite music platforms or check out SoundScrub Presents Featured Sounds playlist on Spotify. Make sure to follow me, your host, Lisa Denae, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and many more, at Lisa Denae or at Lisa Denae Music. If you're enjoying the show and would love to support SoundScrub, please visit lisadenae.com forward slash SoundScrub for more details. Thank you for listening. Wow.